Hi, I'm Joy. And I'm Janelle. And we are your hosts of the Melanin and Miles podcast. We are just two Black girls in our 20s who have traveled to over 25 countries and five continents. And we want to share our travel experiences and advice with you. Like when I went cliff jumping in Jamaica, or when I booked a flight for only $6, and even when I lived with a host family who didn't speak any English in Spain for four months. Or when I went skydiving in D.C., swam with elephants in Thailand, and won over $200 at a casino in Puerto Rico. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast and tune in every Tuesday for new episodes. Before we get into the episode, make sure you get your hands on our free Budget Babe travel guide to learn the top 10 ways you could be saving hundreds or even thousands of dollars on your next travel adventure. Get the free guide straight to your inbox at melaninandmiles.com free. This segment of our podcast is called The Check-In, where we both update you guys on where we've been traveling and life updates in 60 seconds or less before we get into the episode. Hey guys, it's Joy and I am checking in from school. I have no travel updates, but I just wanted to send my prayers out to everyone being affected by all the things going around in the world right now between the fires in Australia to this new crazy virus that's happening in China and spreading and literally just if you're affected emotionally by the recent passing of Kobe Bryant like my heart goes out to you and I hope that we all can stick together and be there for one another and I hope that this podcast brings a smile to your face and helps you you know escape these stresses for a little bit so I hope you guys enjoyed today's interview. Hey, it's Chanel checking in, and this week I am actually leaving for a graduate school visit. Um, I'm going to Oregon State University to um, meet with, like, the labs I'm going to work in and just, like, tour the campus and stuff. Um, Yes, that's pretty much this week for me. Hey everyone, welcome back to Melanin and Miles. Today we're going to continue our interviews around the World Series where we interview other young Black women who have lived or studied in a new country. For the series, we have interviews set up with women who've been to almost every continent and this week we're talking to Nala who studied in Morocco. I'm so excited for this episode because Nala is my really good friend. We, you know, we strolled around Atlanta together back in my Atlanta days and you guys seen Nala in my Howard homecoming vlogs like I have two of them so just in case you watch the YouTube you know that's Nala so she is a graduating senior that attends Howard University she's also a political science major and a playwriting minor and over the summer of 2019 she did a study abroad program in Morocco so welcome Nala hey (laughs) so excited (laughs) Yes, we are excited to have you. So we're just going to get into a few overview questions to learn about your program. So how did you decide you wanted to go abroad in general? And then how did you pick your specific location? Okay, I really wanted to study abroad because I had already done a domestic exchange at Columbia University my sophomore year. And I was like really still wanting to get all that I can out of my college experience. And I know study abroad is like an essential part of that. 
And I know like, especially in my school, there's such a small percentage of students that actually go abroad, but actually tip black people. They really want us to study abroad. And there's a lot of different opportunities and scholarships and grants to be able to afford to go. So I went to my middle Ralph Bunch centers, what we call it. And I found out a way and no shade at my good sis joy, but I feel like, oh my gosh, like Europe is like the number one, like I know people who <laughs> want to stay and study abroad. So okay, but I went to Brazil like, too. You did go to Brazil. I will give you that. Yeah, that was good. Okay. Like, <laughs> her behind up in Madrid, I was like, all right. But you've also been like everywhere. So I was like, cool. But I definitely wanted to go somewhere kind of different. And I think that's something, and I already took Arabic too. And I also wanted to like use a class where I could utilize my Arabic skills. And that's not many a lot of places besides Morocco. And I thought it was really cool. I thought it wasn't like super religious, but it's still very distinctly cultural. So I thought that was really cool. So I was like, Morocco's a good choice for me. Cool. And what um, city were you in specifically? Or did you travel around? I definitely traveled around, my gosh, but I'm sure we'll get to that. I mainly stayed in Rabat, which I'd actually never heard of. I was thinking, oh, I'm gonna stay in Casablanca or Tangier. No, they had me. It was actually the capital, which was really cool. And I really liked Rabat. I think it was a good place for like people to study abroad at. Gotcha. So how did you have to like prepare to go abroad? Did you have to get a visa or did you like you said you took classes in Arabic? So was your program in Arabic? Like how did you have to like get ready and like what were the requirements? Oh, my gosh. Like everyone in Morocco is like trilingual. So that wasn't a big barrier for real. For real. Like, they quickly like switch from like Arabic, which their dialect of Arabic, um, Darja. I promise y'all, I feel like all of the only thing that really helped me from taking Arabic for like three years was the letters because it's entirely its own different thing, the way they speak it, which is crazy. I was always only there for a summer program. So I didn't need a visa because I was staying there for less than like 60 or 90 days. I forget like the actual requirement for that. So that was cool. But I definitely needed to make sure that like I had all of my Carfax ready. Like if I didn't have like a return flight, they were not gonna let me through in customs. I had to make sure all of that was straight. Gotcha. And then can you just explain for like the listeners, like how your study abroad program was structured? Cause like Janelle, I went on a semester, Janelle went on a summer. So like how long was your program? Did you take classes there or was it just like traveling? Did you have a host family, all that stuff? So I definitely had a home host family. They did offer some type of apartment style thingy, but they really like recommended the homestays because you'll get more of like ingraining like their culture through that. And I thought that was really cool. I did a summer program from middle of June to middle of July. So it was about a month and my classes y'all lol with that um i definitely took a class <laughs> i had a single class but Not i had okay. like every day for like and they wanted to make a requirement like it was or like equivalent to a three credit course i would take through an entire semester so i was in class like all day and i would take darja where i would learn about the actual arabic dialect they have there in morocco for like an hour like every other day so that would kind of be like my studying for that Okay, cool. And were the classes like hard? You said it was LOL. So I guess it was easy. (laughs) I don't want to say it was easy because I definitely learned a lot. And it was one of the most important classes I've ever taken because we used a lot of different mediums to kind of guide us through our teachings. Like it was air politics. That's what I learned there. Um, So I learned about the Arab Spring, which was basically a lot of uprisings going around in the Arab slash Middle Eastern region. I think it was, it started with Tunisia and then it expanded from there. Morocco had its own kind of, it was a part of the Arab Spring, but it wasn't as, the term successful is a very subjective term, but there definitely was a lot of like um, regimes overthrown that have long lasting effects to this day. So it's really interesting. And I loved how I, st- I literally brought up, especially recently with this current situation between the U S and Iran, I remembered Iran's like political history 
through that class and I was able to apply a greater context to how I feel about what's currently going on. Oh, that's cool. So yeah, a lot of my classes were like in Spain. It was like history, learning about like the dictatorships, all that stuff. And I like, I like that because it's like when you travel somewhere, like it's one thing to just like travel. But then if you know like the history and like why things are the way they are, it makes a lot more sense entirely new context it's crazy yeah so my last question about just your program in general was um scholarships you had mentioned a little bit about that before so like did you have any scholarships and like for someone who's about to study abroad like what advice do you give them for trying to find money to go abroad oh absolutely i think i was a gilman scholar and i think it's if you're a pell grant recipient you can like apply to it and guys i only found out about it like five days before the deadline, I was like in a rush, but it was so cool. And I think it was such a great opportunity. And like, it was such a swift transaction. They gave me the money, pay for it. Boom, boom. It was really dope. I would definitely suggest applying to the Gilman Scholars Program, but there's a crap ton, especially if you are black. Literally, there's so many, like my friend gave me a whole Google doc just full of them. I'll be like, I think I have to link that to you, Joy. So you can like send out to your listeners like, Hey, free money. And I promise y'all, it's literally like free money. And it is a way smaller pool in general for study abroad specific scholarship than it is regular academic ones. So I definitely think apply to that. I don't think I had any more except out like that were not within my actual program, which it was a CIEE. And they gave me a lot just because like I was a minority student and with CIEE. And if you apply to Gilman and you let them know that you have a show proof, you get a travel stipend like to help pay for your airfare. And it was like, and a, like a, another additional like thousand dollar grant. So hey. my trip was free. It was we love to hear it. <laughs> love to hear it. <laughs> okay. So I guess now we want to transition into a few questions about what it was like being immersed in the culture. And also it was like being black and American while being in Morocco. Mm. So I guess first we'll start off with the cultural thing. So are you religious? And then if so, how did it affect your time abroad? I actually, another thing that drew me to Morocco, um, I come from an Islamic background. So I was very familiar with like Islam as it is the predominant religion in Morocco. And I remember one time, y'all, I was not used to this. It was like 5 a.m. And I really had to get used to sleeping. Like they started the, it's called the Akama, which is like the call to Salat, which is prayer. And it was, I lived, I ended up switching rooms, which I guess I'll talk about later, um, switching homestays. So I lived in what they call the old Medina, which is the old city, like the more historical, like where all the shops were. And it was really like a maze to get to my new homestay. And I remember they like every day on the dot at five, when the sun rose, you made Fajr, which is the first prayer. And I was like, oh my God. So, but I was hip and I understood. <laughs> it was really cool to hear that because I heard that existed in these countries where like, you can hear the call to prayer all throughout the city. It was like, oh my gosh, I can't go back to sleep. So <laughs> that means it was an adjustment, but I was used to it and being able to see like, Something that I was like, I was very used to seeing women in hijabs that, but not all of them, it wasn't even that many. I feel like a lot of older women did it, but like the, like the teens or girls my age were like dressed, definitely modest, but still wearing like stuff I would see girls around here wear. So it was cool. Okay, cool. And then I guess switching sides to the being Black and American in Morocco, what was that like just um, being Black and American, I guess? <laughs> I will say as like a disclaimer, I, I guess I have a lighter complexion. So I guess I could kind of like, I don't know, it's going to be different. I feel my experience. I don't really know how colorism works so much mm-hmm. in Morocco. I didn't really witness that or like experience that like, or be able to see that firsthand. But so I don't really know how that works there, but I will say it definitely redefined my interpretation of blackness. I'd say, because mm-hmm. how am I going to tell a Moroccan person, aka an African person that they're not black, even though like because that region, everyone's very like a lot of them really fair skinned or have like 
very like LOL joys, like the 4C queen. Like, no, I didn't see anybody with like a curl grade. Definitely no one like my type of curls there. Everyone, a lot of people had like naturally straight hair and it wasn't crazy to me. I was like, wow, like this is interesting to see this dynamic and how I asked them honestly, if they said the N word <laughs> in Morocco, just me being from Howard, I was like, hmm. Or like how they felt about that word in a term. And someone told me, yeah, they definitely familiar with it. But like, and maybe because I wasn't, I was around kids in my program mostly. And I would say like the actual native people that much, at least the native oh, team okay, would yeah. like say that in front of me. It was just different. I feel like they don't even look at it that way. They don't look at black in the same way we look at it. And so that's so different. All I don't right. know about the relationships with like people that are, um, I don't know if it's sub-Saharan. People are obviously like that aren't Moroccan, like how that is. Cause I feel like North Africa is, it's very, it's a very different place I'd say. So I think that's so yeah interesting to look at that dynamic. It definitely changed the way I view about it because I wasn't always thinking about race. And I think think they really look at race as much so they look at like their nationality. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, With that yeah. said, like, did they treat you different when they found out you're from like the US? Um, no, I feel like anything, they were kind of like fascinated. They're like, ooh, like, tell us about it. Like, we want to know. And I think a lot of there is a more Western influence than I anticipated in Morocco. So even when I went into some stores, they definitely had a modest undertone. But like I said before, it was very much the clothing I would see at a Forever 21 here. So it was very cool to see that. But I think for the most part, it was really just, I think we have good relations with Morocco in general. But a fun fact, I think Morocco was the first to officially acknowledge the U.S. as its own country when it was like during the American Revolution or whatever. So that was a fun fact I heard about that. So they've always had good ties in Morocco. That was cool. I didn't know that. Okay, so I guess you kind of already talked about like um, you weren't really sure about any like colorism issues or anything, but did you specifically face any discrimination or racism at all? Or did you witness anyone else facing it? Honestly, no, but I will say no one. I did not see a lot of people who were like what you would identify as like having a really dark complexion. So I think everyone in Morocco is very tannish. They either range from like Mm-hmm. I think it's in the really like fair native Moroccans to having a fair, like, I hate the term fair skin tone, but like very light skin tone to a very like tannish skin tone. And mm-hmm. so I don't really know how they deal with like, yeah, really, I don't even know how they would deal with someone being of a darker complexion. I don't even know if, if well, I actually did see um, native Moroccans who were of a darker skin tone, but that was after I was traveling down the Sahara. So I was getting more towards the Saharan part. So that was it. But I really don't know that like, those interactions, I didn't witness that firsthand. But I'm sure like, you know, okay. anti-blackness and like all that stuff is pervasive. So I wouldn't be surprised, you know, yeah. even though the Brooklyn people are very yeah. like friendly and open and everything. But I think like those deep ingrained like ideologies we have from like colonialism, I'm sure are still present. Right. Okay. And so now I guess getting back more to the cultural type things, did you meet any locals, males or females? Yeah. So the great thing about CIEE, they tried to like link us with local Moroccans. So they were really cool. I lost my phone. Oh my gosh, but we'll get into that. Um, and they like helped me Ooh. get a new phone. Like one of the local dudes, like he came with me, walked to the Medina to the stop shops and like helped me get set up with a new phone there. And he was literally like saved my life. What a blessing. And um, <laughs> so they were all really nice. I'd say, actually, there was a lot of phone snatching. My friend got her phone taken too, right on her back. It was, you know, people, people are people. But um, (laughs) I did meet the locals. I did really like them a lot. I always talk about my Moroccan husband. So I would totally go, but you know, it's such easy living. Weather was perfect. Like, oh my gosh. So I really enjoyed like linking with the locals and like 
understanding people that way. I'm still, I could literally call them up. The people in my program, we're actually from there now and we have a great conversation. I could always pull up back to Morocco, like it's cool like that. Oh, that's cool. So did you or anyone in your program end up like seeing anyone? Like, was there any crazy Honestly, <laughs> dating we stories so, or anything wild? It was such a short program, I feel, like at least for my group that we didn't really have time but we were gone on another trip every weekend so it was hard to like make those connections but yeah. look like i said i have moroccan husband and i kid y'all not <laughs> when this man i think would marry me so y'all he was one of the people facilitating my program y'all i kid y'all not this man it was after i left so nothing ever happened like he was just like helping us with it he's like 25 like he helps with like with the program body blah I don't think that's like his main job but he definitely was like hitting me up later like I hope I'm one of the things you miss back in Morocco I was like excuse me <laughs> so <laughs> and I thought he was cute we all thought he was cute so we all thought some dudes were like cute but like no one was really pressed on that you know and especially because the dating scene there in general like I did not see a lot of like people out on date dates like that, like holding hands. I didn't see a lot of PDA like that. If we're getting into that whole thing, I was curious. I was like, what is going on? Like, nah, you're not going to just be out with the boy by yourself for real, for real. Or like out, like dating, dating, like how you can move in with your man. No, you can't do that. You cannot move in with your boyfriend, babe. You got to be married. Okay. Okay. So how do you think like comparing how the dating scene is there to here? Like, did it make you reflect on like what it means to like be with someone before you married? Or are you just like, I don't care. I'm, <laughs> I'm like from the U.S. I'm definitely still from the U.S. So but I think there's value in everything. And I felt like we learned from both cultures. I do think people are getting a lot less played over there. <laughs> like I feel like people are going to probably take their affiliations people more seriously like oh if i'm into you i'm literally looking at like this as a commitment seriously what i do like obviously we know how like rampant hookup culture is in america i don't even have much of that in morocco i don't know for sure but from what i'm gathering nah it definitely still has that that cult, historical and cultural like social norm with them like for them that's just how like they're moving which i appreciate i think that's cool like you know spare yourself the drama and the heartache but you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know whatever I feel like it's so weird to like especially when you get into stuff like that like from the time we're growing up and like watching tv you already have an idea of in your head of like what it is to be with someone else and like I feel like that's like really hard to unlearn or like adjust like say you move there permanently like I feel like that would probably be like the hardest thing to adjust to definitely like I was thinking about that too I was like dang if I'm how many Moroccan husband gonna move like you know I feel like you have to come to the U.S. the other figure I gotta figure out if I want to be with you first because I feel like that is commitment like if dating there is more so like I'm dating to marry than here it's more like I dating you because I like you right now and we'll see where it goes yeah like, you know definitely different cool yeah those international relationships can be <laughs> tough <laughs> literally speaking from personal experience <laughs> Yeah. Reference previous episodes for Janelle's dating stories. Okay. <laughs> so oh my gosh, now we're going to talk about just like kind of just reflecting. So when you first got there, was there any culture shock you had, whether it was with your host family or food or just like some of the cultural things you mentioned? Like, was anything just like, I did not know this was like this? Definitely. How easygoing, I think, and how like definitely when I moved into the old Medina, when I switched homestays, because oh my God, I was like, uh-uh, I cannot live. Like the bathroom really scared me, y'all. And I feel like I can't, I wasn't gonna like go in with like 
my American standards of like how one is supposed to live. You can't be like that. But I was like, all right, this is too much. So I ended up moving to the old city and I literally lived in what we call like the Riyadhs or like in the really nice hotels, like the really like typical, if you saw a picture of it, like really Moroccan, like architecture, I lived in one that looked like it was like ruins, like, but it was so pretty. Like it was crazy. Like my house was low key outside. <laughs> I promise you, we had an open roof. So it was kind of crazy <laughs> how that worked out. Wow. I wish I had photos to show you, like real talk. So that was culture shock. I learned that you don't need to refrigerate eggs because they never did. Or yogurt. I was kind of concerned. I was like, some of this stuff, I feel like y'all should be refrigerated. But I... Um, the yogurt? Huh? Yeah. But you never put the yogurt in the fridge? No, bro. From what I remember. Or eggs. I was like, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say that how easygoing, like people could sit... I don't feel like no one was ever pressed to get to work. Like I would see people grown men in the middle of the day, like chatting at cafes, like cafe culture. I hate what I miss the most. I swear to you is the fact that like, I feel in America we're, we're in a rush all the time. They're not in a rush there. You can chill. You can like, you can enjoy each other's company, get coffee. I feel like I get so annoyed now, ever since coming back from there, when I get rushed the check as soon as I finish eating. I'm like, dang, I want to sit and talk and be cat. Like, I feel I hate that now. Because um, I wasn't the gag in Morocco. They weren't giving your check to you. It was really pressed about ready to go. Like, you could really sit and chat for a while. And the sun, like, never set. It was so pretty. Like, my gosh, best weather. Oh, my gosh. That's they didn't do the egg thing in Spain either. I was just like, okay. <laughs> okay, so as far as just like, you're only there for a month. So did you guys end up like going out or was it just like cafes? Also, like did the culture influence the nightlife at all? Yeah, yes. Oh my gosh. Hello. We're going to go out anyway because that's just how we are. So y'all, it was so funny because the bars, because they drink, like Morocco is probably one of the most modern, predominantly Islamic countries like you'll go to. But I think it's like a really cool part of it. The bars literally, I would be like, dang, this restaurant is closed. Like, no girl, it's a bar. All the windows are boarded up. It is the most like low key thing ever. It's so funny. So, but the one we did go out one night, I think for the July 4th, we went out Um, and it was on this boat. It was like this restaurant slash boat thing. And you had to go downstairs in the basement of the boat to get to like the bar slash club type thing. And they were playing like Nikki, Drake, all that. I was like, okay. So we had a few drinks. I felt bad. I was like, dang, I'm really with Morocco drinking, but whatever. So that was really fun. I'm really glad like I got to be got to experience that one like Moroccan nightlife. I don't know where any clubs are. I have seen bars. Oh, also women. I don't it's kind of like taboo for women to like be in bars or like in late or like to be like eating by themselves in like some um, parts of Morocco. It's like kind of taboo. You don't really do that. Gotcha. Oh, can you just for people who like may not have any type of conflict context, can you explain like why drinking would be taboo? oh yeah because muslims don't drink like there's like definitely like a lot of smoking going on there like you were allowed to smoke everywhere like it was not even a thing like in the cafes like mm. well i guess maybe sometimes i'll have like a certain smoking section and definitely more preferred to do it outside but definitely people are like smoking but drinking is definitely taboo and like although it's like not illegal it's definitely looked down upon and that's why everything's so boarded up or like really like hidden but we found it but it was hidden <laughs> okay so out of your whole study abroad program what was your most memorable experience i will tell y'all the it's only memorable because of how wild and oh my god i can't believe i went through all that it was so i went out with my new host mother went to this cute restaurant i loved so much i told my friends we were gonna have to go um, and visit go back and visit it and i had a lamb tagine and tagine is like they're like 
mainstay food. It's like a burger and french fries there. It's like meat, potatoes, and like, I don't know, maybe rice. I don't know, some type of stuff. Meat and potatoes, some like starchy food cooked in like this like Dutch oven, their version of like a Dutch oven for like hours. And then you cut it out. It's like, great, whatever. Cool. So I ate that. The next day I was sick as a dog. I was like, oh my gosh, y'all, I had to go to the doctor. It was bad. I was missing class. I was like, I'm only here for like two days. How the heck is even going to happen? So I did that. I went to the doctor. I literally went to get some antibiotics. And while on my way to the pharmacy, I lost my phone. Oh, leaving the pharmacy, I lost my phone. And I was like, wow. And I was still recovering. And guys, I was that same day, I was about to embark on a 10 hour drive to the desert. So I was already sick. I had no phone. This is when did the one of the local dudes like help me get a new phone. So I had to do all this and I was like, I'm not going to make it Lord, but I did. And that was a testimony to my strength and how every, at the end of the day, everything's going to be okay. <laughs> it was totally all right. How was like going to the doctor? Do you have to like, was it easy? Like, did you have to pay? <laughs> I did have to pay. It was relatively cheap. It was like maybe 70 US dollars. I was like, I was grateful because I really had no idea. And like, I had to keep getting money out. I was like, oh my gosh. So that was stressful. She was a woman doctor. That was really dope too. I really appreciated that. It was my, my uh, Moroccan husband, you don't know, because he was like a facilitator. I had to take me to the doctor. I was like, oh my God. So I made it though. I made it through. That was wild though. I won't even lie. Cool. I stayed away from Tangine the rest of the time. Uh, yeah. I had, I also, Janelle and I have also both been to Morocco, but like I went for a weekend trip. How long did you go, Janelle? I was only there for a day or maybe two. Yeah. And I had the tagine. Uh, that was good. I did not get sick though. <laughs> like it was the lamb tagine. I was eating tagine literally because that's all they really have. Oh my gosh. The food is so cheap too. Oh my God. Like literally y'all. I was eating good for the low. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did So what other types of food were there or was that like the main thing? Tagine a lot. If you wanted to go like more traditional, I had the best Syrian food. Y'all. The crazy thing is the best food I had in Morocco was Senegalese food. That was powerful. That was the best meal. I think about that to this day. I I will literally go back just for that restaurant. It was so good, so spicy, so delicious. I think they have a blend of a lot of cultures. I had a lot of lentil soup, had a lot of shawarma. I ate a lot too. Um, Went to McDonald's a few times. I had to cave and go. Um, (laughs) We always do. I feel like we do that every trip. (laughs) It's impossible. (laughs) If you are American, it's like a salute to your country. It is. Did you guys go to the McDonald's <laughs> in Thailand? Yes. <laughs> yes, we was there. We did a road trip and like at the rest stop on the way and back, we got McDonald's. Yeah. Sometimes you just literally seeing those golden arches, just like it just takes you back and you just have to, you go. Have to go. It just tastes a little bit different, but like at the end of the day, it's still true. It's at its core. It's McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So other than losing your phone, like did your phone get stolen or did it just fall out your... It- I think it was stolen on. Oh, okay. The girls will never know for sure. But I <laughs> okay. So other than that, <laughs> were there any other like mistakes or like big regrets you had during your time there? I'd say hmm, not reading all my materials. Like I'm, I'm never doing the readings for my work. I just suck at it. But I would really, I think it would have been for my benefit more. And I think almost to an extent, not exploring enough as I went to like go to like so many museums and whatnot. But I was just always so tired. I still like, Every time I would go back home, I'd be like, ooh, nap time. Like, bye. No, yeah. Study abroad, I was, it was so tiring because your brain, like, I would go to class and then, like, talk to my host mom and then my brain would be fried. Like, just from speaking in Spanish and English, like, I was done. Done. (laughs) 
Yeah. It's, it's a lot. So lastly, kind of like, did you travel around Morocco or Africa and what cities did you hit? Because you said you did like weekend trips. Girl, I did went everywhere. Oh my God. Literally went, I went hit up technically three countries in a day. So I'll get to that. And I'm my, my most favorite experience I'll do is that. So like the first weekend, my friend, it was literally our first week. We've known each other for maybe three days. And we were like, mm, yeah, so, so we're only here for a short time. And like, we, they had like a really good like plan for us. They basically told us all that we would be doing. Like we would go to different parts of Morocco. So we were like, okay, so this is our only free weekend. So let's just go to Spain, you know, just go up to Tangier and just get to Spain. So we did that, went to Tangier, loved it. Oh my gosh. I wish I explored more of Tangier too. I'm really sad. But we had to go to Spain the next morning. So literally I was in that first week alone. I was, took a plane a train. The train was beautiful. We rode first class in the train to get to Tangier. Then a ferry, which is kind of scary because it was like cloudy for a lot of it, to Spain. Then took like a bus to Gibraltar, which is like a UK territory. Went back to Spain. Like it was so much fun. We part. Oh my gosh, y'all. We partied on a, it's in Algeciras. It's in the south of Spain. And we like ate paella and just like lounged and like went on the beach. Like it was so cool. I love that. But I think one of the most like my favorite parts Wait a minute. Hold up. I didn't even get to even the Sahara. Y'all, these white people had me bent. <laughs> Literally. So on our way down, this is a beautiful place that was like, felt like on the edge of the world. And I just really think about that all the time. Whenever I get stressed out, like there's peace on this planet. And I feel like that is like the, like the closest I feel like you can get to like a heaven on earth. It's called Merzuga, Morocco. And it's just this little village and it was so quiet and it was just so lush, but also right on the edge of like this cliff. It was crazy. And then y'all, so we were at the Sahara, right? It was already hot as all get out. We got in the pool. It was crazy hot. So we were going to stay the night literally on the Sahara. Like not in the hotel, but like in some tent. So we went to see our tent and whatever. I was scared. Y'all was like, I know nobody's going to come get me, but I'm kind of scared. So we saw this big old albino white spider in, in our tent. And we were like, oh, so absolutely not. And I wasn't mad, but <laughs> then they were like, let's just sleep outside. And I was like, no, that's not the resolution. I <laughs> hold on. For the spider? We, so someone like threw a pillow at it and it, like it went away. And we were like, okay. They're like, so I just feel scared. I don't want the spider to bite anybody. So let's just sleep outside. And nothing's going to harm us. And I was like, are y'all on drugs? Yeah. <laughs> Real talk. They made me sleep outside in the desert with like a cot. I Does, wouldn't there be more there. spiders there? That was my what? fault. I was like, what sense is this making? What sense? I was so scared. I did not go to sleep that night. I was calling my mom like, I just, and I was forced to stay there. I was so tired. I was so pissed. I was like, this is not, that was, that was the most memorable experience. I literally stayed, literally my roof was the stars of the Sahara. Insane. What? Did y'all have like a bus? I would have slept in the car. Oh, 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 yeah. Like our, um, my Moroccan husband was like, he was like, y'all want to go to the desert? Okay, cool. He literally set up this whole little itinerary for us. He was like, okay, bye with this man who did not speak any Moroccan. Oh, I have a lot of like, look, I really have the advice. On this 10 hour trip with a man who did not speak any English. And we was like, okay, this man could really just take us anywhere. But we was like, all right, we go, I'm going by faith. So (laughs) literally it was really cool. He took us to all these places. Like we saw a lot of ruins. Like I went to a Moroccan like movie studio we ate there. I went to Casablanca for a day, ate at Rick's Cafe, which was beautiful. One of the best meals. I went to the mall in Morocco. Like it was dope. Like literally I went everywhere. Marrakesh was cool too. Yeah, it was dope. So based off of like everywhere you traveled, everything you've done over there, would you go back? Would you go back for longer? Would you see other places? I told y'all I would move there with my man. I <laughs> told y'all. Um, but no, like, I will say I definitely Morocco has particular, I guess in its markets, it's a particular smell. 
that like I forgot about, but like, yeah, I definitely remember that. So mm-hmm. I definitely remember that. But I think on our last day, we went to like this little school complex type thing. We played soccer and volleyball and the weather's always great and the food is always good. And I just, I really appreciate that. So that's super cool. I'm sorry, someone just called me, but no. just being in that space where everything, the living is easy. And that's how I describe it in Morocco. It's pretty, the cafes are beautiful. Okay. Everyone's so nice. Like taxis are cheap. Like Ubers like are two dollars. But would you go back though? I'd go back. I'm considering it for post grad. Like if everything, if everything I want to do primary doesn't work out, I definitely go back. I'll go back and definitely visit most of. Not for a minute, unless you know, you know, like I said, you know the gag. But yeah. <laughs> All right. So we just want to wrap up our interview with just with a few words of advice for the audience. So do you can you give any advice for people looking to study or just visit Morocco? I think you really need to designate because there's so much stuff to do in Morocco. Maybe 10 days, really. You can do a week, but it's really there's a lot of places I think you should definitely visit. I don't, I don't even know if you really have to visit Rabat, but it's a cool stomping. Mm, I don't know. Go to Casablanca, go to Tangier and go to Marrakesh. Definitely try to go to Sahara too, if you can. I would say that. Those are like the really like the most iconic. Like, okay. Uh, I think back like what an experience that was. I can't believe that was literally this year. I feel like I've lived a whole, it felt like a whole separate lifetime, even in that one month. Keep up with your phone. My gosh, because it will get stolen. Keep up with all your stuff, whatever. And I think look at it with an open mind because it is different, but the people there are so pure and the living there is so pure. And I will never forget that ever in my life. Whenever I get stressed out about anything, I remember I can always go back to Morocco and I feel like all my worries went away. Besides, you know, getting sick, but you know, and don't be afraid of getting sick. I feel like <laughs> I already anticipate it. So it's never as bad as I think. Cause I feel, especially if you're not used to traveling abroad and you never know what I'm saying. Like if it happens, understand it's normal. People recover. You'll be fine. Okay. Good advice. Good advice. And so are there any misconceptions about Morocco that, about Morocco that you would like to put to rest? Mm, are there any misconceptions about Morocco? I don't know. I guess maybe people think, oh, I'm afraid. I don't know if I can like live like that because like, it's in Africa. No, Morocco, look, y'all, apparently in the Peace Corps, which my aunt is a part of, they call, whenever people get designated to go to Morocco, they call it Posh Corps. So it is, the living is still like, you can really, I've seen some nice houses over there, so you can really live lavish. And it's still very modern in its own way. And I think seeing like how everyone is just so, even like, there's problems everywhere, but I feel the problems, they handle it just with so much more grace in Morocco. And don't, and be okay with like, even people are always talking loud and like, you'll think they're yelling. No, they're really just having a conversation. I feel like Americans are very like, we're so keenly aware of like, oh my gosh, this person's like heightening their tones, getting tense. No, nah, this is really just having a regular conversation and being open to the argument and the debate. Because that's what like that whole culture, like how you talk to each other, it's how you communicate, it's how you like engage with one another. It's like a social thing, you know? All right, cool. And then our final question for the night, unless Joy has some more. Why do you think it's important for Black women to travel, specifically young Black women like us? I promise y'all, I've never looked at race and racism the same since leaving Morocco. Because I'm thinking about how there's a million ways to live a life. You don't have to live exactly what has been like the standard for you. There are so many different lives you can live and keep traveling, keep figuring out what exactly you like. Even though it may not be something you expect or something you're used to, doesn't mean that it's not still meant for you in its own way. And I think Black women especially deserve that. We deserve to live all the multiple multiple lives and have all these different friends and like places we can go back to and be like experiences we can have in these new places because the world is so freaking big. We are more than America. Amen. <laughs> yes, that was deep. I Yo, I want that quilted on a silk. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. (laughs) I just need a moment to like digest that. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, yeah. So this was an awesome interview. Like I don't have any other questions, but like, I feel like you have so many more stories, like just, you know, 30, 40 minute conversation. You just scratched the surface. Like definitely. I'm probably sure I'm still forgetting stuff. I'm like, Oh dang, I did that too. Oh shoot. That was a moment. Yeah. Literally like one of our last interviews, as soon as we got off the mic, like the girl was like i forgot everything <laughs> right <laughs> she had so oh, many more stories it's so close to europe y'all literally go and then keep going other places from there literally i had a link up with my friend in paris for a weekend iconic it was a moment yeah. Well, you guys have heard it firsthand. Uh, Morocco experience. We are looking for more people to interview who have studied abroad, lived abroad. So hit us up on social at Melanin and Miles and make sure you check out our merch at melaninandmiles.com. But thank you so much, Nala, for being on. And we can't wait to see where else you travel. Of course, guys. Thank you for having me. I had so much fun. I love what you're doing with this podcast. It's so important. I'm glad you're making this space for Black women to like encourage them to travel. Thanks. See you guys. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you are subscribed to receive new episodes every Tuesday and leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts. We also love to talk to you guys on social media. Share a screenshot of this episode to your Instagram stories tagging at Melanin and Miles to start chatting with us.